Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Whether you're joining us physically here today or you're joining us digitally online, we are so grateful that you are here. I see Jimbo and Mandy back there. I can't believe two years ago. Long before there was a single campsite, a camping site here, long before there was an RV site, uh, your generosity in allowing us to come together and to serve the Lord here. L listen, we are, we are guests here, but, but they have made it home for us. And we are so grateful to be able to meet here in such a beautiful space to make much of Jesus together. And just a, a personal note, you know, Aaron and I left Charlotte. And we came back home to plant Connect Church. One of the prayers we had is, hey, if we'll plant a church that, that our family will love, that, that my kids will love, then maybe, just maybe, somebody else will find meaning in our church too. And so this past week, it was such a special time. I, I got to baptize at the river. You guys saw that. And there with me was my, my, my daughter, Chloe, who for a year has been asking, I want to get baptized, Daddy. I want to get baptized. And I kept saying to her, I can't wait to baptize you one day, but, but, but I want you to want Jesus more than you want baptism. For a whole year, that's been our conversation until this past week. I shared a little bit of what I, I shared there at the baptismal. She was there with me. And afterwards, she looked at me and she said, hey, Daddy, I get it. I get it. It's not baptism that saves you, it's Jesus. Hey, it's not baptism, Dad, that washes your sin away. This is coming from my daughter. It's, it's Jesus that said, sweetheart, you're right. You know what she did the next day? She went to school. It was on her spirit. And she went away by herself at her school. And she said, Daddy, I asked Jesus to save me. I asked him to wash my sins Away. And I think here at Connect Church, I'm so grateful for the many of you who've come alongside of my family and partnered with us as we've pointed our kids to Jesus because soon enough, I'll get to baptize my daughter, not only as my daughter, but as my sister in Christ. And so I just want to say happy birthday, Connect Church. And I thought what would be fun this morning is just to take a moment and to preach the message I preached on our launch Sunday two years ago, and just a reminder how the Word of God does not change and how important, how applicable it still is to this day. In fact, you'll know that if you've been here uh, for any amount of time, every service we end with this statement, you ready? You are sent. Well, why do we do that? I'm going to share with you a message today that speaks directly to that. I'm reminded of a story that I heard in the 1840s about a pastor by the name of John Getty. I mean, he had a comfortable job up in Canada. He had a great church, yet God was stirring in his heart about a people group that he had only heard of. He had a wife and two small kids. And you know what he decided? God was calling him 20,000 miles away on the other side of the world to a people he had never met in the South Sea Islands. Now, the people of the South Sea Islands at that time were known and they were notorious. You see, just months before Pastor John Getty and his family were to arrive, a naval vessel, a British naval vessel, had come ashore there on the South Sea Islands. And the islands were, islanders there were known as, as cannibals. So if you can imagine, and because we have kids in the room, I'll keep it a little safe, um, those, those, those naval officers were both killed, and then they had them for dinner, right? This is the type of environment Pastor John Getty would go into. And yet he took his family. In fact, they landed there. 
And amidst all the things that were going through their heart and their mind, they decided to work the gospel, and they did just that. Now, converts, those who came to Christ were few and far between at the beginning, but they continued to work. And do you know that by the time that they would leave the South Sea Islands as a family, that they would have translated the entire Bible into their language, that they would have spawned over 25 churches across the islands. I love this. When he left there finally to go home, they put a plaque at the church in, when he, in which he preached every Sunday. And here's what that plaque still reads to this day. When he landed here in 1848, there were no Christians here. And when he left in 1872, there were no heathens. You know what's amazing about John Getty and his family? Is they lived a life that was sent. I'm reminded this morning of a prophet, and outside of Jesus, one of the greatest sending moments in all of scriptures. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 6 with me. Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 1. And as you turn there, here's a couple things we know. The setting of this is 680 B.C. The northern kingdom has been taken into captivity. They have been captured. They have been exiled. The northern kingdom of Israel looks nothing like it used to. The southern kingdom, Judah, was finding themselves in the midst of great sin and rebellion against God. You had some global players coming into the Middle East like the Assyrians and the soon coming Babylonians that absolutely turned the world upside down. And it's in the middle of this that Isaiah reminds us of what took place. In verse 1 of chapter 6, he says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And watch this, the train of his robe, it filled the temple. Here's what we know of Uzziah. Uzziah, at the very beginning, was a good and godly king. He took the throne at the age of 16. You know, the Bible teaches us in 2 Chronicles 26, 15, that he did many great things among his people, and he became famous far and wide. But even with the godly king, 2 Chronicles 27, 2 reminded us that, that the people themselves were not faithful to God. Now, King Uzziah became very powerful, and guess what happened? As does oftentimes, the power corrupted him. In fact, he would be struck with leprosy towards the end of his life, and he would be exiled. He would die alone. Hey, just a real quick. Hey, men, can I challenge you with something real quick? Finish well in Christ. Hey, hey ladies, can I, can I challenge you with something real quick as we look at King Uzziah? Hey, finish strong and finish well for Jesus. This is the story of a king who did not finish well. Now listen to what Isaiah says. He says, I saw the Lord. Hey, God was alive in contrast to this godless king who was not. He says this, I saw him high and exalted. This is a common three, a theme in Isaiah for God. As God is holy and he is high and exalted versus the wicked who are low and forgotten. 
And he says this, and I love this part because it's the most important part of this whole thing. In this year of great fear and uncertainty, when the king himself would die, he said this, I see him on his throne. Hey, the Lord is on his throne. That God was in control even though the king was dead because God himself is the king of all kings. That God is on his throne. Hey, can I remind you that even in this day where there is so much that troubles our hearts and our lives. Hey, can I remind you that God is still on his throne. It says this, Isaiah describes this, it says the train of his robe, it filled the temple. Now this is unique, and I read one commentator who wrote about this, and here's what he said. On the day of atonement, which by the way, in the Jewish calendar, begins at sundown tonight, and lasts through sundown tomorrow. It is the most holy of days for the Jewish of people, the day of atonement. There God would meet with the people of Israel and he would meet with them above the two small cherubim on top of the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy of places in the temple. Now physically, that was a small space physically. And so there became this erroneous view of God that God was small physically in stature. And you know what Isaiah does for us here? What he does for the people of God, he sets the record straight. Because here's the deal. God was bigger and more than they could ever imagine. Even this train of his robe filled the temple. You know, I got to thinking a couple years ago when I, when I prepared this message. You know, if we're not careful, we do the same thing with God, don't we? We make him out to be smaller than really what he is. And you know, one of the ways and prime ways I believe that we do that as a church today is when you and I come to a place where we convince ourselves that God cannot use us. We make God out to be small when we convince ourselves, hey, listen, God can't use me. God can't send me. And here's the truth. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul writes the Ephesus church and he says this, the Ephesian church, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his great power work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You ready? We serve a God who is immeasurably more. We serve a God who is not small. He is bigger than we can even imagine. Consider what he did to the dreams with the dreams of a four-year-old little boy. You know, a long time ago, a four-year-old little boy by the name of Hudson Taylor walked into his dad's living room and said, Daddy, when I grow up to be a man, I'm going to be a missionary in China. I'm going to be a missionary in China. Hey, guys, listen, my oldest daughter, Avery, who I love dearly, uh, she's eight years old. You know what she wanted to be when she was four? A Christmas reindeer, okay? And so for a little four-year-old boy to step up to the plate and to say this must have been something special but also laughable at that age. But you know he did. Exactly what he told his daddy. Devoting 51 years of his life to bringing the gospel to the Chinese people. And by any measure, he was a success. Listen to this. The numbers are staggering. 
During this half century of service, Taylor established 20 mission stations, brought 849 missionaries to the mission field in China. In addition, his China Inland Ministry trained and sent out over 700 Chinese workers to minister to their, only, their own people. Over 125,000 Chinese came to know Christ during Taylor's lifetime, and 35,000 of these converts are said to have met Christ as a direct result of his preaching. It is estimated that Hudson Taylor himself has baptized over 50,000 new believers. Isn't it amazing what God can do with the dream of a four-year-old? And what happens when a four-year-old lives his life sent? Now watch this description given here in Isaiah chapter 6. Go to your Bibles and look at verse number 2. As Isaiah continues to see this vision, he says, Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Man, don't you love these seraphim? Creatures only mentioned here, in the Bible. They, they covered their faces, which was symbolic of humility. They covered their feet, which is symbolic of the service of God. They were flying. They were busy proclaiming the message of the glory of God. You know what's amazing? As I look at these creatures, these seraphim, you know what I think about this morning? And there's a lot we can learn from them. There's a lot that you and I can gain from these seraphim. And then we see their message Holy, and not just holy, but holy, holy, and not just holy, holy, but holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In the Hebrew language, a threefold repetition of this statement symbolizes perfection. God, is, he's perfect. And now this, you ready? Not only did the train of his, fimple, of, his, of his robe fill the temple, but watch what Isaiah says. He looks and his glory fills the entire earth. God is far bigger and far greater than what we could imagine. In this vision, Isaiah sees a lot. And you might be thinking, you know what happened? Isaiah went to Taco Bell the night before at 12, went to sleep, and that, it messed with him, Right? It just messed with him a little too much. But here's what we begin to see. That not only did God allow Isaiah to see something wonderful and incredible. Hey, but church, God allows us to see the wonderful and the amazing and the incredible still to this day. I think of Adorian Judson, who is really the first American missionary to the Burmese people. Now, he's known for his role. He established U.S. missions there. He did a lot of great work, pioneering work among the Burmese people. In fact, it's once said that the father of missions, William Carey, looked at him and said, Hey, hey, Dorian Judson, listen, don't go there. Don't go to the Burmese. It's just not going to work. But Dorian Judson went there anyway. In fact, he is famous for saying this as a young man. Listen to his words. I will not leave Burma. Until the cross is planted here forever. And what passion, what drive. 30 years after Judson's death, 
Burma, who had no churches, had 63 churches, 163 missionaries, and over 7,000 people come to faith and trust in Jesus and were baptized. A hundred years of the celebration of his death, the anniversary of his death among the Burmese people, there were over 200,000 Burmese Christians. You know why? Because of a young man who knew that God was bigger than he could even imagine. Because of a young man who had lived his life sent and said, I will not leave Burma until the cross is here, is planted here forever. You know, church, I think you and I ought to adopt some of that language that you and I are not satisfied until the cross is planted forever in our homes with our spouses, with our children, that we will not be satisfied until the cross is planted in our home forever, that we will not be satisfied until the cross is planted in our business for as long as God sees fit, that we will not be satisfied until the cross of Christ is forever planted in our community, in our school, amongst our friends. We will not be satisfied until we plant the cross where God has sent us forever. Look at Isaiah's response, much as we saw in Adorian Johnson, a man who lived his life sent. Watch this vision carry out in Isaiah's life. He says this, woe to me. In all that he saw, woe to me, I cry. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, he writes. Then one of the seraphim, flew to me with live coals in his hand. I want to tell you this, as we break apart this passage, uh, my wife and I have a, she puts some kind of wreath on the front door every year for every season, and I love it. Um, but we had a couple birds take up nesting, I think. So every time we open the front door at night to let our dogs out, the birds will fly into my chest Half the time they'll fly in the house and we spend the next hour with brooms trying to shoo them out or they'll fly away, right? I don't do good things, I don't do good with things that are flying at me like these seraphim with Isaiah, right? And they have burning coals, right, with them that are flying at them. I remember just this past week, Aaron had the first time experience with these birds and she opened the door and literally I was just going, God, please, let there be birds there. And let them fly. Man, they did. Listen, they flapped at her. She screamed like I'd never heard before. Anyway, so, but this is an incredible scene that we say. Listen to what Isaiah says. He says this. Man, what do you mean? I am ruined. I am ruined. You see, Isaiah was ruined so he could be redeemed. Hey, and I want you to hear me. And let me flesh this out a little bit before you get, get too upset. You ready? God wants to ruin your life so that he could redeem your life. Now, be careful there because that's not what you put on a Hallmark card in a Christian bookstore, right? You don't want to put that on there. But here's what I mean. When I say that God wants to, to ruin your life, here's what he wants to do. You ready? He wants to tear down the walls of sin and selfishness and rebellion and build walls of faith and forgiveness and freedom in your life and mine. He did that for Isaiah. Isaiah says this, I have unclean lips. And I live among a people with unclean lips. He's saying this, you know what, God? I know my sin and my, see my sin. And I also identify with the sin of the very people that I live with. 
said, man, I'm just, I'm broken by my sin. And so here comes this seraphim flying at him with a hot coal. A hot coal is one taken from the altar in the temple. Symbolizing this, the removal of guilt and sin. And he touched him with it. He touched his lips with it. You know, I stopped right there. And you know what I, I begin to do? I begin to thank God for Jesus. I, I begin to thank God that I don't need a seraphim flying at me with hot coals to touch my lips, to take away my guilt, my shame, and my sin. Because you know what Jesus did on the cross and what he did three days later by emptying the tomb? He did that very thing for me forever. Forever. He took God's wrath against sin for you and for me. And now we don't need hot coals anymore. Look at verse 8. Isaiah says, then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And watch Isaiah's response. Here I am. Send me. And then God said to Isaiah, go and tell the people. Go and tell the people. You know, living sent begins with the love, the worship, and the adoration of God. It is from a place of worship that God sent Isaiah, and it's from that very exact place that God sends you and me. Now, I want to I note this interesting fact. You ready? Do you know where God didn't send Isaiah? God didn't send Isaiah to the South Sea Islands. God didn't send Isaiah to China. God didn't send... Isaiah to the Burmese people. Well, where did God send them? To his own backyard. To his own community. To his own people. In fact, Isaiah's name means the Lord God saves. And he preached that very message of God's salvation and judgment to his people for over 60 years. That if they would but turn from their sin and their rebellion, they would repent and turn to God. That is where salvation is found. God had planted him and his family in his own hometown where he was. Now, some of you might be saying, hey, Anthony, listen. If all I had was a vision, if God would give me a vision like Isaiah, then maybe, just maybe, I would buy into this idea that he is sending me. And here's my question. Why do you need visions and voices when you have verses of Scripture that tell us we are sent? That we are sent. You know, isn't it easy to buy into that God would call families to South Sea Islands and, and the tailors maybe to China? And the Judsons may be over to the Burmese. And we love it when God sends other people to cannibalistic tribes. We love it when God sends other people to heathens far, far away. And here's what we fail to do, church. We fail to realize that God has sent us where we are right now to accomplish the very same. Thing. Hey, listen, by the way, I, I'm not saying that God's not going to send you to South Sea Islands. We'll help you go. I'm not saying that God's not going to send you to China 
or to Burma. He may very well do that. I'm saying this, that you and I have got to realize that God has sent us right now where he has planted us. And the question for the church today is, are you living sent? Are you and I living sent? You say, well, you what? What do you mean by living sin? Here, you ready? Living sin recognizes and takes hold of the influence and purpose of God has for us today where we are. It is recognizing that we are sent by God where he has planted us. Living sin is living out the very thing Jesus had in mind when he commanded us in Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything. I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus would say, Just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus is described over 44 times in the New Testament as being sent by God. I love the question posed to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Who will who go for us? God asks, I believe it's the very same question he's asking today. Hey, you know what living sent means? Is that when it comes to God sending people, it is not for someone else somewhere else. Who will go into your home and plant the cross there forever? Who will go into your school who will go into your locker room? Who will go into your workplace? Who will go into your business? Who will go into your neighborhood? Who will go into your community with the message of salvation, with the gospel? Who will go and plant the cross here forever? And here's what I believe that God desires of all of us to say today. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Oh, listen, that's just for the pastor. Don't buy into that lie. All right, listen, that's just for someone else somewhere. No, no, listen. God desires to send you. Let me tell you what we're not about at Connect Church. We're not about building an audience. We're about raising up an army. An army armed with the gospel of Jesus Christ with his love and his grace and forgiveness and an army that is willing to take on all hell itself for the souls of mankind. Realizing there in our own community, 70 to 80,000 people who are going to be in nobody's church today. Tens of thousands of people without the hope of Jesus Christ in their heart, in their life. Maybe the question this morning is of God to every one of us. Who will go to them? And the truth is in Christ, every single one of us need to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. I shared this with you two years ago. It's been made into a famous song since then. I'm just nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. Anthony, how is it that I live sent though? As we close out, how do we live since? You ready? We recognize these truths, that the God you serve is a God who sins. You are not where you are by accident, but by God's design. God saved you 
and God sends you. Here's the truth, church. God sends everyone he saves. God sends everyone he saves. Here's the second truth. You ready? God sends people because he wants to save people. God sends people because he wants to save people. J.C. Ryle wrote this, the highest form of selfishness is that of the man who is content to go to heaven alone. Guys, I'm going to tell you, two years ago, I'm just as convinced as I am today. I mean, listen, I don't want to go to heaven alone. I don't want to just get there saying I live my life. Man, I want to spend every week, every day doing everything I can where God has sent me to love the people that God loves the most. To love the very thing that God loves the most, and it's people. God sends people because he wants to save people. And the last truth, living sent means making a difference in someone else's eternity, not just our own. Church, I tell you what, we get really selfish with the gospel. We're happy in what it does for us, and we get content there. May we never be satisfied until the gospel is planted forever in the hearts of those we love. May we never be satisfied until the gospel is planted forever where God has sent us. I, I quoted this, this, uh, this quote from a, a pastor, and listen to his name. His name is C.T. Studd. Now think of that. People going around call him Pastor Studd. Did he not win the lottery for pastor's names? Gosh, I wish I had that. Mama, why did you? Anyway, so that being said, listen to what he said. He says, I pray that when I die, all of hell will rejoice that I'm out of the fight. I pray that when I die, all of hell will rejoice that I'm out of the fight. You know what plagues the church? The enemy doesn't know half of us are in it. Are you in the fight? Are you willing to answer God's call? Who will go for us? Are you ready to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.